three. Didn't get there. Looked like Jamal Adams may have led the charge from his safety position. Two. The Athletics Can't Wait Jets podcast, your nonstop shop for all things Jets. Now here are your hosts, Tim McMaster and Connor Hughes. Listen safely. Can't wait. Hey, everybody. Welcome into a very special edition of the Can't Wait podcast, because for the very first time, <laughs> Tim McMaster, myself, and Connor Hughes are in the same location yeah, right to there. record this podcast. Uh, we're at the Combine in Indianapolis on Radio Row. Uh, we actually get to look at each other when we <laughs> yeah, talk. It's, it's going to yeah. be cool, right? Gonna, I'm going to have to keep like looking away like, no, nah, man, it's a little awkward now. Yeah, same <laughs> zip code, same state, same city, same event, same table. It's... We are we are separated though. Like there's a we're we're off the a beaten path from the table from each other. But yeah, it's a little bit different, man. So you're g- you're gonna hear some noise of background noise, other radio row stuff, but no fish tank in Connor's <laughs> office, uh, no Zumba driving by and, and vacuuming the floor. So a little bit of a, a different ambiance to the podcast this week. But thanks for tuning in. Definitely give us a five star rating uh, if you like what you hear, and also uh, go to theathletic.com/slash the Can't Wait Podcast. Get 40% off a one-year subscription to The Athletic so you can read all of Connor's great writing and all of our other writers and and the great podcast here as well. All right, let's get down to the combine. We're going to talk about kind of what this is all about from a writer's perspective, what it means for the team, obviously, and we'll talk about the news that's come out for the Jets because... I mean, I feel like the combine and leading up to the draft means different things for different teams, but this is a huge offseason, obviously, for the Jets, and this is a big center point of it all. Yeah, you're right, man. I mean, look, this is – Christopher Johnson's preached this over and over and over again, and it's it's always the same thing, is that he does not believe in playoff mandates. So you're just – it doesn't mean that if the Jets don't make the playoffs, the team's going to get fired. He just doesn't, in in his mind – Putting a, a playoff mandate is counterintuitive to success because so many different things can happen during a season that can prevent a team from making the playoffs, can cause a team to make the playoffs. I mean, you know, think about it. Like the Jets could lose, they say, like their three quarterbacks go down again, and they somehow find a way to win eight games with, uh, you know, their backup quarterback starting 15 games. So you know that's actually pretty successful, all things mm-hmm. considered. So you're not going to fire a guy for that. It's similar to when the Ravens didn't fire John Harbaugh, despite the fact they gave him the playoff mandate. So. Uh, with that said, make no mistake about it. I mean, the Jets are looking to take a, le- a legitimate step forward this year. I mean, they are not at a position in this near 10-year decade playoff drought where they can continue looking at just the smallest of victories for them to have some form of success or something like that. So um, I think that this is the offseason where they are looking to take that legitimate step in the right direction and stop rebuilding and stop saying next year, next year, next year, but kind of really turn that corner. And, and especially if this new CBA goes in where, where they add another playoff team, yep. they should absolutely be a playoff team. And, and you're right, it all starts here. Aside from getting a chance to to interview these players for the first time, see their physicals, because those are really the, the two uh, most important aspects when you talk about college players here at the Combine is, is getting the physical done for, not you know, physical drills, but I mean like the physical like medical stuff. And then getting a chance to actually interview them for the first time. So those two are going to be big points. But also this is where uh, you really set the groundwork for free agency. This is where you really 
get an idea of who's going to be on the open market, who's interested in going where on the open market, what guys are looking for in terms of contracts, who's going to be in the running, who's not going to be in the running. And those conversations are all having here. And because every single person who covers the <laughs> NFL is here, too, those uh, those reports start to get out. So, I mean, that's what we've done the last few nights. Well, and that's an interesting thing, right? Because the official tampering time is just a couple of days before. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I won't call it tampering. The official time to communicate mm-hmm. with players just yeah. a couple of days before free agency. But... A lot of that is going on this week. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can have agents where it's like, hey, you want to just go to dinner and catch right. up? But, you know, those conversations take that turn real quick. And, and you know, they're, it's not – I don't think it's as aggressive as it used to be because back then, I mean, contracts were essentially agreed to here. Like, I remember when the Eagles signed Byron Maxwell. Uh, I was like the day after the combine. His, his, uh, so the, someone close to him had called me and said, like, oh, no, he's going to the Eagles. He goes, that's a done deal. So it was done. And you basically agreed to the parameters. Now – I think the league kind of stomped down on that mm-hmm. a little bit, and so it's been pushed back to now where all of the deals are basically done or the gra- everything about, like, you lay the groundwork of who's interested in who. Legal tampering period kicks off, and that's when you can really get the numbers down, and then when free agency begins is when you actually sign it. So you mentioned all the different things. Obviously, there, we're, we're standing here or recording this sitting down, and the bench press is, is behind yeah. us. They'll do the 40 and all the stuff that you'll see primetime this year on yeah, NFL Network and ESPN. Um, but there's the other stuff, the interview process and yeah. the Wonderlick test. <laughs> oh, I don't want to talk about this. Yeah, yeah, the Wonderlick test, yeah. Which we did, Connor. Oh, yeah. Uh, you, me, <laughs> and, and producer Marissa also taking part in the Wonderlick test. Who needs to be here next year? Yeah, I'm making the push now. Marissa, get, get Marissa to Combine <laughs> 2021. So, so I did it twice, so I had an unfair advantage because I think the first time uh, you don't know what you're getting into, no. but, but we didn't do well the first time around. Um, I, Marissa got a 28, so she wins. Um, yeah. Not surprising. Yeah. She's the smartest person involved yeah. in this podcast. <laughs> um, but, but the Wonderlick test, actually, it's funny because it, there's technique involved and it's not really about intelligence because I think if you sat down... I sure pretty hope it's not. Based <laughs> on my score, sure as hell. Most it's not. people could think their way through the questions and get them. It's a matter of like, you know, do I skip this one? And the first time through, yeah. we did the same thing. Yeah. We tried to get everything right and mm-hmm. you run out of time. Yeah. I got a 24, you got a, a, 19. a 19. But yeah. you were like, you said it, right? You were like 19 of 20. Yeah, so yes, yeah, so that's the thing. So like when I went into this, I didn't... I knew that Wonderlink was hard or whatever, but um, I thought it would kind of be like the SATs. And in the SATs, if you've taken the SATs, you know, like if you don't know something, they say just skip it because getting a question wrong counts more against you than not answering the question. So I went into it thinking that was, I was like, all right, I'm going to go through the questions that I know, iron out the, and some of them like, they were like the cool, like there was the one tra- the one question where, um, Actually, like Facebook prepared me for it. It was like, the, I don't know, you probably don't know if we got the same questions, but it was like, you know, if Timmy is eight years old and he's half his sister's age, how old is Timmy going to be when he's 16? And I was right. like, oh, I remember these questions on Facebook. Like, I'm good. I got that. So, like, you take your time, like, figuring it out and writing it down. And then, like, I was like, oh, I'm just going to get through as many as I can. And hopefully, I'll get like 18 out of 20 or 17 out of 20 or something like that. And you get like a normal score. And instead, I finished it up. I see 19. <laughs> and I was like, what? I was like, oh. And then it said, like, Whatever you don't answer, so whatever you don't finish, you get it wrong. So it's almost like if you're looking at a question, like, I don't know if I know this one, instead of like really racking your brain over it, just it's multiple choice. So just select one, go to the next one, and then you're hoping you know more than you don't know. But yeah, if I if I redid it again or did it again, I would hope I would get higher than a 19. Saying that now, though, I might be down there with like Vince Young's score. If you had like the historic <laughs> six or seven or whatever the hell he got. There are some really bad ones out there, and you can find them. Uh, so I ended up doing it again with, the, with that in mind. Crushed, and I, and yeah. I skipped... 
anything that I knew would, even if it was just like, it's going to take me too long to read this. Yeah. Skip it. Go to yeah. the or yes, go to the next one. And I ended up with a 35, which is good. Really not good. not amazing, but yeah. but good. Here's, you get drafted. You could, it wouldn't it wouldn't yes. hurt your draft stock. Yes. That's it. So, so historically. Offensive linemen and quarterbacks do the best, which I guess isn't a Nick. real big surprise because those are yeah. real thinking positions. Uh, wide receivers tend to do the worst. From the Jets' perspective, and a lot of this information is from Paul Zimmerman's The New Thinking Man's Guide to Football. That's where we, uh, we pulled the stats from. But offensive tackles average 26. That's the best average. Um, Sam Darnold got a 28, so that's a cool. solid score from the quarterback and, and certainly did not uh, keep the Jets away from no, drafting him. Absolutely not. Uh, so that's a part of it as well, and we just wanted to go through the fun process of, um, of trying it ourselves, and it is hard. Um, you can find it online if you want to try it um, at home. And see if you can Just Google the Wonderlick test. See yeah. if you can beat Connor Hughes' 19. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so, low bar to clear. <laughs> low bar. So the Jets, they're here, obviously. Front office is here. Joe Douglas is here, um, mm-hmm. but Jamal Adams is here too. Yeah. He's he's kind of taking part, um, and and that's become newsworthy as well because he's here tending workouts as an analyst for NFL Network. But Joe Douglas spoke about him and how things have really changed. I mean, we were on this podcast talking about the fact that there is no way that Jamal Adams yeah. is gonna stay with the Jets after what went down last season. Mm-hmm. But things seem to be thawing. Here's Joe Douglas yesterday talking about it. Jamal is an unbelievable player, as, as we, we talked about at the end of season meeting. You know, um, we're excited. We're excited about Jamal. Um, you know, the plan is f- for Jamal to be a Jet for life. You know, um, we've had we've had some preliminary uh, talks with his agent. I'm not going to get into the specifics of that, um, but again, you know, the plan the plan is for uh, Jamal to be here a long time. So what stands out to me uh, for that, Connor, is is not that he said we want Jamal to be a Jet for life. I mean, they're always going to say that, mm-hmm. right? It's that he said preliminary discussions are already underway, that they're actually talking to his agent about an extension. Yeah, they're starting. And I mean, look, whether or not – when that whole thing went down right after the trade deadline, I've never really seen a – and I've seen a lot. I've only been on the Jets beat since 2014, and I've, I've seen – everything from a quarterback getting punched in the face to the Hackenberg experience. I mean, they're, they're, it's a long, I should make a list because it's a, it's a big one. I've never really seen a press conference like that one or that a media availability like that one that, that Jamal gave because he, he, he sounded like a guy who was just done. You could tell he was irate, he was angry, he was furious, and he was just done with the team. And when he's saying, you know, that, that he's not talking to the head coach anymore, he's not talking to the GM anymore – you, you, it was just over. It, it was, and you could, you could get the sense and the feeling, even talking to people within the Jets organization, that they kind of saw it that way too. That it was like, this, like they reading the tea leaves. Not, not Joe, not Adam, but other people that were t- around that organization were kind of seeing the tea. Like this is, this is over. And, and in the off season, they're gonna get a first and a three or a first and a four, and they'll ship them to the highest bidder, and that's what's gonna happen. And you know, maybe it was the the candid conversation that he ended up having with Christopher Johnson. Maybe it was the uh, winning that the Jets did. Because at the end of the day, man, Jamal, you can say what you want. The guy just wants to win football yeah. games. And when you win six of the final eight, that plays a role here. So, you know, I think that that had a significant play in, play in all this. And, and maybe it was literally just, just time. He just needed time to cool off. But the Jets wanting to bring him back now that that's kind of cleared isn't a, a – anything i mean it's not a, a a thought or a belief or any i mean it's not an issue that's not the the obstacle you need to overcome the obstacle that they're going to have to overcome right now is okay 
how much you want to pay him because Jamal doesn't want to be the highest paid safety. Jamal wants to like reset the safety market right. here and and you've seen it kind of kind of move and adjust and stuff like that over the last couple of years. I mean, you had Landon Collins obviously in free agency last year was the one guy who like got the the big money deal from the Redskins and it was I'm looking up the numbers now. Like when they gave him a 6-year deal, 84 million uh, $26 million guaranteed at, at signing and free agency. I mean, that was like Landon. And then you have the next guy to go, the kid from the Titans, who surpassed that, you know, because uh, Landon averaged $14 million a year. Uh, the kid from Tennessee ended up going up to like 14 6 And then obviously Eddie Jackson is the guy who just got the deal from Chicago, which wasn't as long of an extension like Landon signed, but he completely reset it. And now he's, aver- I'm sorry, he's averaging $14.6 million. He got more in, in total guarantees and stuff like that. Uh, th- 33 million total guarantee is what he got, and then uh, Kevin Barry, the guy from the uh, Titans, he's the one who had 31 million in guaranteed. So uh, this is Jamal's going to want to be beyond those guys. I mean, that's where the conversation starts. And and you know, I was talking about this with, with somebody else that was down here, and, and we were talking about like, oh, like would he take uh, a, a 15 million annually? Like he's obviously going to get more guaranteed money, but would he take right. a contract that does the average of 15? Would he want lower so he can kind of double dip? Like you get your 30 million guaranteed now, but you only sign like a four-year deal, so he has a chance to then go back into free agency at 31, 32, similar to what like Tyron Matthews done, and get another decent contract and another payday as opposed to doing like Landon where he's got, well, I mean, he's no way he's going to play all six years of that contract, but you sign a longer contract, you're with one team, you don't get a chance to take advantage of the fact that salary cap's going to keep rising and all that. So the Jets want Adams back. I think that the fact that they've started to have conversations with him is an obvious step in the right direction. It's a very positive thing. It's, a, it's, a, it's If you want Adams with the Jets, it's clear that these two sides want to make that happen. What they're going to have to iron out over the next few months is how much are you actually going to pay Jamal? And the one thing to really watch how this how this plays out, and Jamal has given no indication he's going to go this route, but he can stay away from voluntary offseason workouts. He can stay away from minicamp. He can stay away from training camp if he says, you know what, I want the deal. Now, the one big thing to consider in all of this and the one thing to remember in all of this is that, yes, the Jets can give Jamal Adams a long-term contract extension. That can happen now. They don't have to. Right. They control this guy for the remainder of this season. Then they have his fifth-year option. And because he's a safety, and safeties honestly don't get paid that much money, you're not only talking about a franchise tag of one year, you can franchise tag him again. So, I mean, they control him at the minimum for this year, next year, and one year on a franchise tag. They can stretch that to another year, too. Now, it's never going to get to the point where they're tagging him. He'll either be signed or traded before that. But this is not something where the Jets need to rush. It's good they've had those preliminary conversations. Adams definitely wants his long-term extension. But... They don't need to give it to him right now. It's not like he's an impending free agent. It's not like you know there are other options out there. The Jets control what this guy's going to, where this guy's going to be the next few years. I guess the one thing, the one benefit of, of getting him wrapped up long term is he's not the guy that you want to be grumpy in yeah. that in that locker room. We've seen that right this mm-hmm. year with what happened. He's a guy that. Very because much. of the leadership factor, you want him to be happy. And, I mean, to be honest, when you think about the money and those other guys who set that market, he just has such value, I think, because of what he's been able to do this year. Yeah. We talked about getting to the quarterback. He's not just your strong, your safety and stopping yeah. the run and pass coverage. He actually gets to the quarterback more than really any safeties. Yeah, and more than if you're a jet linebacker, more than jet <laughs> linebackers, too. But, I mean, I also think that, that, that a portion of this, too, is Joe, Joe's, Joe Douglas is coming from a, a – he, I mean, he cut his teeth with, with Ozzy in Baltimore, and then he worked with Howie in, in Philly, and, and both of those guys are savvy. I mean, they, especially Howie, when when he was working there with Andy Reid and got to learn from Andy Reid, is that they kind of believe that that there's a, a an amount of money you pay a player, and it, it's a it's a position group that they value this, and you you value the player at it, but 
you don't want to go throw you know, 20 million annually into a safety position because it's like, right. well, it's a safety. Like, yes, Jamal's a hell of a player, but he also plays safety. You would rather have that money at a pass rusher, at a corner, at a left tackle, at a quarterback when Sam needs his new deal. So there, it's, again, it's, it's very it's a very convoluted and, and uh, difficult thing because you don't, like, he's, uh, Jamal should be the highest paid safety in the NFL. He's the best safety in the NFL. But, how much is the best safety worth? How much is my, and that's what they're going to need to figure out. And I, I wonder if there is a number where Joe would step away and say, like, I'm just not, I'm not going that high for a safety, man. I'm, I'm just not. So we'll let you play out this one, the fifth year deal, maybe franchise, man, but I'm, we're not going higher than this figure. Like that's, and I'm wondering, obviously that's down, that's a down the road conversation. This is all positives right now. That's all, it's all dandelions and, and meadows and prancing around because everyone's happy that at least these two guys have had, have had conversations. It is amazing what the, the nice finish to the season has done just for the overall perspective of this team. Mm-hmm. And he went from everybody not wanting to be a jet and wanting out of town yeah. to now like, oh, we, you know, we win football games yeah. now. We have a great quarterback. We're yeah. on our way. Uh, there's going to be an extra playoff spot maybe. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, it's amazing how things change. Uh, so we're at the Combine, and we love to talk about picks, obviously, on this podcast. And there's props out there on the Combine, yeah. which is crazy 40 times and, and all that stuff. But if you get involved with DraftKings, it's not just about the combine and about football, but about all the sports, obviously. And all-star breaks are in the past, and teams have their sights set on securing their place in the playoff races in the NHL, NBA, over in college hoops. Teams are jockeying for tournament seating. So much action, so little time. And the DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, can get you right into the middle of the action. The XFL is back to scratch everyone's itch for football. Check out the DraftKings Sportsbook app to see what special promotions they're offering on the most extreme league in the U.S. American-made DraftKings Sportsbook is a safe and secure betting app. You can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. It's no wonder DraftKings Sportsbook is America's top-rated sportsbook app. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code QUICK for a limited time. All new users can get a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook has a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Don't forget, enter code QUICK. Get your sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Have you been perusing the props for the combine? No, that's where I draw my <laughs> that's, line. Combine prop I think that's where I, I draw my line with that one. I like I, it was a good NFL season. It treated <laughs> me well. I did well. Have the have the new driver in the bag as a result of it, but I'm uh, I'm going to I'm going to sit out of putting putting money down on uh, combine prop bets. That's that's where I draw my line. You mentioned the driver warm weather in New York this week. You got out. Yeah, dude, don't even say. I Monday, I'm flying to Indianapolis and I'm I'm literally walking out of my house. I was like it's going to be 62 degrees today. I was like you got it. Oh, yeah, but, you know, we're in the most magical place on earth. Yeah, and for some insight, as we walked over, you actually didn't even need to go outside, I don't think, but from my no. hotel, I had to walk mm-hmm. outside through the snow this morning in, yeah. in Indy. That's so, uh, yeah, no golfing here in Indiana. No. All right, back to the Jets we go, and um, let's let's move things forward a little bit and, and update on the draft because it's kind of the same theme, but now we're getting to the point where free agents coming up quick. That's going to have a big going to be telling as far as what the Jets do there in that first round with the, the 11th pick, but it all still comes back to the offensive linemen, although a group of three seems like it's very much become a group of four yeah. with Becton. Yeah, that, that's that's kind of where 
Like everything I've heard down here, man, because uh, again, the way the combine works is it's like you have these events that go on, but it's it's literally just a networking. I thing. should I say mean. this, Dane Brugler's sitting right here to yeah, my right. We, yeah. So if we say anything yeah. that just sounds ridiculous, just kind of, you know, okay. He, yeah, sa- he well, says we're good. That's so. what I said. Like people tweet me, like anytime <laughs> I get draft questions now, the first thing I do is I was just like, we're going to CC Dane on this one. I'm not even going to try to compete. I was like, look, I, I'm going to, I was reading his stuff anyway and just regurgitating it. So I was like, just go to the source, go to All the right. source. He's the one who's going to help you out. But it's back to regurgitating. Yeah. So like the way this whole thing works, man, is like you're, you're here, you watch the events and stuff like that. And if you cover the, the draft like Dane, I mean, you're, you're obviously hardcore in on it, but for most reporters, it's like you're meeting up with people, you know, you know, it's, it's the agents, you know, it's the scouts, you know, it's the coaches, you know, and you're, you're reaching out to him, shooting him texts like, Hey, where are you at tonight? Let's grab, let's grab a, a you know, a Coca-Cola or so and, and kind of talk for a bit. And, and so that's literally what the last three nights have been. And it's what the next two nights are going to be. It's just constantly bouncing around. So you're picking up rumors and you're picking up gossip and you're hearing what's going to go here, what's going to go there. And, you know, the one thing that I, I, I keep hearing and it's like, you know, the, you kind of go back like, oh, well, they need a receiver too. But I just keep hearing about the line. I mean, and it's, it's just, I mean, Joe Douglas is the former offensive lineman. The Jets need four. I mean, they, they Joe was, Douglas was talking about it, it yesterday where he was saying how you have four of the Jets' five week one starters are not under contract for week one. And the one guy who is, is like a 90% chance he's getting cut in Brian Winters, right? So, I mean, they need four, potentially five new starters, four from their week one roster. Chuma Dog is a guy that they like to slide in there at right tackle. But I just, look, they need a receiver. They are really good receivers in this class. But from reading Dane and, and even hearing Joe talk yesterday, the receiver class seems pretty deep in that you can get a good wide out in the second round. A guy, not, not a developmental, you can get a guy who's going to play for you and make a difference in the second round. And at 11, especially with a run on quarterbacks like there is every single year, I just I, I find it very hard to believe that the Jets don't go offensive tackle with that with that first round pick. And and with Becton riding up right now, and and I guess I shouldn't even say that because I've, I've heard from people that you know he, people knew he was good. It's just now he's starting to get the the media attention right. of being good. So now you're starting to hear his name. But uh, NFL people have kind of known about this guy since since midway through the year. Um, he's you have there was the concern and i remember a story about it that, that when it was just the big three right Worfs, thomas wills there was a chance that at 11 all three are gone and then if all three are gone do you reach for the fourth tackle or do you go with receiver with the fact that it's now big four one of those guys is going to be there yeah. for the jets there and odds are there's probably going to be two guys there because you're going to have the wide receivers go young is obviously going to go the corner from ohio state he's going to go so two of these guys are going to be there for the jets and they're going to pick they need to go line and everything that i've heard down here is that they're going to go line that they like these receivers that they would love to get a receiver but joe is smart and savvy enough where i just and it's not even my opinion again it's, it's just from talking to people down here that know a hell of a lot more than i do that it's just they're like it's just not it's it, they're, they're going to go after him and, and they're going to try to completely rebuild the line and it's going to be through the draft it's going to also be a big chunk of that through free agency and we're going to see what's going to happen with that because obviously with the CBA kind of being negotiated to push back the franchise tag stuff, I mean, I've heard that the one guy that a lot of people uh, pegged to the Jets early on, Brandon Sheriff, I heard pretty adamantly this week that he's going to get the franchise tag, that Sheriff's not going to hit free agency. And that was something a lot of people thought he would, right. that he would be there, that uh, you know, with the new organization in Washington, they were going to kind of let him go. But no, that he's everything. I heard from some very reliable uh, t- yesterday, actually, last night, that he's going to get franchise tag, which means that top guard's off the market. Two people that are going to be doing heel clicks over that are Joe Thune and Glasgow, Graham Glasgow, the guy from the Lions, and then Thune from the Patriots. But 
uh, yeah, so it's it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to watch this one play out. But but line first number eleven, I think that's again who is it gonna be? I don't know, um, but I would be stunned if it's not a tackle at eleven. I just it's just it's they need they need look man this line's so bad they need a line and you can't get cute here. Now at number eleven they may have the uh, I I don't think it's an opportunity but. <laughs> they may not have to make a decision on which one. There may be Correct. one left, which Correct. I guess you have them rated and you'd like to go with your number one guy. But on the other hand, it takes the pressure off that if, you know, yeah. he was the one that was left. We went with the guy that was there. Yeah, now here's the thing, though, is that and I, I know this from someone within the Jets, is that they, they view it as the big four. Is that yeah. it is that, yeah. So it's like they will like guys more, but they believe that in that realm of where they're picking at 11 – any one of there's the big four tackles, and then there's a little bit of a drop before you get to five. So there, originally, what I believe from reading early on with draft stuff, and like you know, when the Jets need this, it was the big three drop to four. I know from talk like within the, the Jets view it as no, it's the big four, and those four guys, they'd be happy with any of the four, like any of the four. I'm sure they like guys more, but they would be happy with any of the four. Now the one receiver that maybe tempts them a little bit is maybe Jerry Judy, who's or Lamb, yeah, yeah or Lamb. But uh, Judy today made a little bit of news. He had his his media veils. I don't even know if you saw this. I yet. have not seen it. So yet, he no. had, he wore a star of David out, okay, uh, to the media veil, and they asked him why he had that. And his quote was, "Being named Judy, people call me Jew for short. So I got this necklace. I'm not Jewish though." And then he, it blew up on Twitter. And then he Sounds tweeted like a out, out. Hey, if, like a receiver. if I offended anyone, I'm sorry. That wasn't yeah. the point. But it's one of these things where you have all these players at all these podiums speaking and people just waiting for something interesting That's to be said. One. That's and there a good you go. one. Yeah, woo. <laughs> that is a good one. Wow. So that one is is making its way around Twitter. I think that'll be one of those. It'll blow over quickly, but but for now, it's yeah. it's uh, that's a headline. It's making its way. Hopefully. All right. So free agency looming as well. Um, it obviously gets started in two weeks. That's going to factor in maybe to what the Jets do later in the draft. I don't think it affects what they do with that first yeah. pick with the offensive lineman out there. It would be different if they had a yeah. tackle. Like if there was like a top-tier tackle was in free agency, and the Jets go sign a franchise left tackle free agency, well, now you're not going to go draft one. Like, they maybe they go right tackle, but you wouldn't – no. Yeah, correct. Like, there's the big thing – the other thing I keep going back to, and, like, I, another thing it's really heavily pointing towards being, like, yeah, the Jets are going to go tackle 11, aside from the obvious fact that they need one, is they're doing some homework now on tackles, on left tackles that I've heard of guys that they've met with and I've heard of guys that they're targeting um, – that are the guy gave it to me. I can't give the name because the guy gave it to me off the record. But they're going after like the second tier of veteran left tackles that are out there that they can get on like a one-year contract, which tells you that they're getting them as an experienced guy. Right. Like the one guy that I, I know about, I was like, that would be a hell of a signing for them if they can get him because he's not going to break the bank. He's a guy who can start half the season if need be. Like the left tackle they draft isn't totally ready, but more than anything else to do was a former Pro Bowler and like the perfect guy to mentor the left tackle you draft. So when they're doing their homework on those guys and not Kelvin Beecham, it kind of tells you like they're looking for a veteran guy to slide in there to either hold the spot for the rookie to be ready or just be that sounding board for the rookie. All right. So as far as that goes, where do they look? You mentioned receivers in the draft. It's deep. So maybe you don't need one in free agency, but 
you know, Alshon Jeffrey, there's talk about that with the with the uh, the Eagles yeah. and him being available, doesn't get along with Carson Wentz. I mean, yeah. the trade market's there, too. Um, where do you think the focus beyond a backup offensive tackle is in, in that free oh, agency? Oh, free agency? Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, I know they're going after James Bradbury, the guy from the Panthers. They like, yeah. they like him a lot. Now, the issue with that is that they are one of 22 teams that's going after James Bradbury, and, and they're in it. They're absolutely in it, but agents aren't dumb, and their clients aren't dumb in terms of they don't sound like they don't listen to their agents. So the one thing that actually acts against New York when you're going after a team or going after a really coveted player who has a robust market like Bradbury is that you have to take into consideration that if they're going after him, and this is a hypothetical, like I don't I don't know if the Bucks are one of the other teams. I know the Jets are, but if it's like the Jets and the Bucks, Florida doesn't have has the tax the tax thing. So you end up making like significantly more money signing there compared to New York, not only for living expenses and all that, but also taxes. So they are in on Bradbury. They're going to be in on Bradbury till the very, very end. But it's uh, he's he's a guy that's that's one of they're one of 22 teams in on him. So it's mm-hmm. it's not like it's like, oh, the Jets are front runner. It's he, they're one of 22 teams going after this guy. And when you're going over that and he's going to get his money and he's going to get paid, Jets are willing to pay. But it's other things will factor into it. Uh, they are tar- they're obviously going after Joe Thune. I mean, that's not that's obvious. Like that's you can go ask Joe and you'd be like, yeah, the Jets. I mean, they're going after that guy. That's that's someone that they want bad. Um, tonight is actually like there's two uh, meetings I kind of set up, which I'll, I'll know more. It's a shame actually we're doing this now because it um, probably like I'll have a story up on the Athletic, which will be a little bit more detailed. But just from what I've heard through the two nights I've gone out here so far. So that I know he's one. Uh, I know they're going after him. I know that they're targeting. Like I've heard of a couple people that they've targeted in like that left tackle market. Uh, they are. They would love it if Judon hits free agency, but it seems unlikely that mm-hmm. that that's going to happen. He's someone that that's an ob- that's an obvious tie to because Joe obviously has ties to the Ravens organization. But uh, it's they're they're going to be actively smart in free agency. It's not I Joe's Joe Douglas isn't the guy that's going to go give Le'Veon Bell the contract that the Jets gave Le'Veon Bell because now you kind of realize what's wrong with that. Um, I do believe, though, that there was talk out there that like he wouldn't have gone after C.J. Mosley. The Jets viewed C.J. Mosley as like an A-plus free agent, and they could not believe that guy hit free agency because most of the time in free agency, guys are there for a reason. Like Landon Collins, he's a good right. player, but he can't cover. So he's like the B, like B and high B. They saw him, Mosley, as an A, and they were like, holy crap, he hit. he's out there. And so they were going to go after him no matter what, whether it was Joe or whether it was Adam or whether it was Mike. I mean, they were going to go after that guy. So I think the Joe, though, is going to be smart. You're going to see them involved in a bunch of linemen because they're going to need free aid like, to pick him up. Robbie is the interesting one, Robbie Anderson, because they would love to have him back, which is what we've been saying for months. It's just a financial thing. Like, are they going to go up to $14, 15000000 annually per year for a guy that they're worried about going, you know, that there are some there's some concerns with him off the field where, you know, he goes home and all of a sudden he's in trouble, which he's been in trouble with the law before. So uh, we'll see. But but they're going to it's going to be a, a if you're a Jeff fan, it'll be a fun free agency. It'll you mentioned Le'Veon Bell. And that's mm-hmm. one more thing that, that Joe Douglas talked a little bit about. And you've written yeah. about it in recent weeks, how hard it is to move that player right now with yeah. his current contract. This is what Joe Douglas had to say about that yesterday. You know, I don't think there's been a lot of... T- I mean, there's... I address it at the end of season meeting. There hasn't been talk as far as um, him him going anywhere. I mean, we're exci- we're excited about Le'Veon. Le'Veon's been a great teammate. Um, I can't tell you how how great he's been. I've had a, I had a great conversation with him at the end of the season uh, exit meeting, and you know I know he's been working hard down in, in Miami, down at Bomberitos, and you know I know he's excited to get back, and uh, we're we're excited to have him. 
So for Levy and Bell, obviously they have to say the right things as well because you've said it. They can't. They can't trade him right now. It just doesn't, doesn't make financial sense. It doesn't matter if the Jets want to trade Le'Veon Bell. It doesn't matter if they love Le'Veon Bell. None of it matters because they can't move Le'Veon Bell. The contract that they gave him is untradeable. And I've heard that early on. Like I remember I wrote a story and I called a, a guy who's, who's tied pretty well into the league and, and is very well versed in the running back market because he reps a, a, a big time running back. And I brought up trading Bell and like, well, what's he worth? Like, what could the Jets get? He was like, nothing. I was like, and this was before like Bell was like really struggling and like all this stuff. I was like, what do you mean they could get nothing? He goes, look at the contract. He goes, we'll go. He goes, they can't trade the contract. So the way NFL contracts work, when you when a, a team signs somebody, like if I were to sign you, you know, Tim, to, to a five year, hundred million dollar contract and give you like a forty million dollar signing bonus, the I am on hook as the team for that $40 million signing bonus no matter what. Now, it's prorated over four years. You get the signing bonus straight up, but Mm -hmm. it's prorated as a cap it over the next four years. But it is the money of me. If I were to then trade you to another team, so you get a a, a five-year, $100 million contract, $20 million signing bonus, and I trade you to another team, the $80 million else, the extra $80 million, is on whoever picks them up. So that's why, like, sometimes when these guys get dealt, it's not as big of a deal. Like, Beckham, sort of because, like, the Giants were on the hook for the signing bonus, right? Well, when the Jets signed Le'Veon Bell to this four-year deal, 42, 52 and a half million, they only gave him an $8 million signing bonus. The rest of it is guaranteed base this, guaranteed base that, uh, options this, options that, workout bonuses, that kind of stuff. So in the situation where the Jets were to trade Le'Veon Bell, it works out well for them because the team that, absorbs Le'Veon Bell is literally on the hook for everything but the $6 million remaining proration from his $8 million signing bonus because two, the $2 million was paid already in year one, then it's $2 million for the next three. So that includes a, I believe it's $8.5 million base salary or something. I don't have the numbers in front of me. That the, Whatever his base salary is for 2020, that's guaranteed. He also has bonuses that are going to escalate that. So if the Jets wanted to trade him, A, no team is going to pick up that contract. Period. They wouldn't, I mean, maybe they would pick it up if they would give up like a seventh round pick or a sixth round pick. They would pick up that, considering the fact that Bell had an off year. He was a little bit injured and, and banged up a bit, uh, didn't play at all in 2019, now had career lows in all these statistical categories. They're just not going to absorb that contract to guess and give you of anything substance, third, fourth round pick that the Jets would actually want. They'd give like a seven to be like, okay, yeah, I'll take on that contract. Kind of, we'll talk about it in a second. Similar to like the Alshon Jeffrey mm-hmm. situation is they'll, they'll just get it, right? Um, so they'll give a seven. But the Jets don't want a seven. They're not just trying to give away Bell. I mean, they want they would give away Bell to get up. Like, Bell's not a delinquent. Like, he's not a, a bad person in the locker room. This isn't like he's disrupting. He was a good leader. Players looked up for him. The young players in the Jets locker room loved him because they used to play with him on Madden when he was like killing it with a <laughs> steel. So they loved this guy. So like and and he like takes his notes and and you know Gase went to him and said like look man, I need you to be like the the perfect teammate because everyone is watching you. This isn't like in Pittsburgh where you know you had Antonio to share the spotlight and Ben was already the Super Bowl champion. Your people are looking at you like holy cow like that's Le'Veon Bell. He goes so if you're doing it, they're all gonna do it. And Bell was like I got you and did exactly that. Like he just like just was the perfect guy and that's why the Jets loved him. So if they're giving rid of this guy, they're doing it because like somebody's going to give us a third-round pick, and we're going to use that third-round pick to round out our offensive line or get a receiver, really better this team as a whole. Sorry, Le'Veon didn't work, but you're a cherry-on-the-top player. We're just not a championship team yet, so it's better you go play for the contender. We get the pick to help us. They're not going to get that. 
because of all the things we just said. Because of that contract, the down performance, they get like a seven. So if the Jets want to up the ante and get a better pick, what they're going to have to do is they're going to have to pay that base salary. So that base salary that they're technically on the, not on the hook for, they're going to have to pay that in addition to the prorated signing bonus. And that's just not something right now that Douglas is willing to do. Douglas isn't. Douglas does not want to pay Le'Veon Bell to play for somebody else. At that point, we'll keep him and he'll help us because he does make the Jets better. So whether they want to move him, whether they don't want to move him, it doesn't matter because they can't move him because of that contract and because they're not willing to pay him to go play for somebody else. Right, and even then, I heard like a fifth round pick was right. like what they were going to be. Even if like the Jets were paying for it, like even if they were saying like we'll pay his his base salary to get you there, which somebody said like well, Joe's not going to do that. I was like, yeah, but what if he did? He goes like a five. They're like a five because I was like, really? And they're like, think about it, Connor. Like, yeah, you're taking it. Like maybe a contender gives you a five or a four, but you're taking a guy who is coming off career lows in virtually every statistical category aside from the game of the season and like. 16 or 17, where he played five games. He's coming off career lows and everything. Didn't play in 19. You have no idea if Bell is ever going to be Bell again. You just don't know. You think he will with a better line, yada, yada, yada. Everyone can say all the right things. But you don't know yet. You don't know. Maybe he, this is it. This is who he is now. Maybe he's just right. not the same player. You don't know. Yeah, the Jets can blame the offensive line, but yeah. that's not going to necessarily convince anybody else Correct. that that, yeah. that was the issue. All right, we mentioned receivers um, and, and Alshon Jeffrey with the mm-hmm. Eagles. The Jets Asking. did sign Josh Dotson, who's this is a former first-rounder, but that's obviously yeah. his uh, his star has faded a little bit. Um, yeah. But talk about Jeffrey, and, and is there any fi- fire around that smoke in Philly? Uh, yeah, well, they that's that's headed towards ending i mean it's right. and it's it's about like you know, i kind of reported it was, just, it was him and and carson just haven't seen eye to eye and it's it's not a it's not like they're they're viciously attacking each other they're just she's not there so you know it's it's kind of best right now for all to go his way and for the eagles to go on their way and look all a reason why that team has a super bowl like in the playoffs all jeffrey was a monster that postseason when the Eagles went to the Super Bowl. I mean, he was a monster in the Super Bowl. That catch he made against the Patriots, like in the end zone, I mean, that was an insane grab he made. And he does things like that and did things like that throughout the playoffs that guys just, I mean, not all players can do that stuff, right? So, but it's run its course and they're ready to go. Now, the biggest issue, and this is like the most fascinating thing, and I I remember like looking at it and calling somebody I know who's, who's really good with NFL contracts and talking to him about like this Jeffrey thing. The Eagles had him on a deal that was, I, I don't have the, the exact numbers in front of me, but like the Eagles had him on a contract where they essentially could have cut him now and owed him like $4 million, like a $4 million cap hit. The rest is alleviated because his 2020 base salary was at the time guaranteed but only for injury so for example if he like kind of like what's going on with Quincy right now where if he has he has a neck injury he can't play football again well now Quincy needs to uh now he's you know he's injured he can't play football anymore so now it's you know you, that's guaranteed for injury you get that money no matter what so that was the only part of that base salary that was guaranteed which was like 11 or 12 or what I think it was like 11 million dollars in 2020 his 2019 base salary was I believe guaranteed no matter what I believe, or maybe it was also guaranteed for injury only. For whatever reason, before the 2019 season, the Eagles renegotiated the deal, and they didn't have to. Like, I know Alshon was, like, a little annoyed, apparently, that he thought, like, the Eagles drafted a receiver, and he was a little annoyed that, like, he could be cut next year and or something like that. So he kind of wanted more assurances that he wasn't going to be cut, but they didn't have to. Like, it wasn't like he wasn't going to play for them. They And he, it's, it was weird. So for whatever reason, they decided to renegotiate his contract. And what they did was they took... His 2019 base, which was like 
10.7 million, they converted it to signing bonus. So while that gives it to Alshon right away, right. it's now prorated over the next three years. So $11 million, which was previously just a base salary for that the 2019 season, is now broken out for the next several years on a proration. They then guaranteed his base salary for 2020, which was for injury only. They took away the injury designation and just guaranteed it. So all of a sudden, you go from a guy that you could have cut for $4 million or whatever the exact number was, I'd have to look it up, to now if they are to cut him, he's got a $26 million cap hit. That's it. And so like now you go into the conversation of trading him, right? Because yep. you can't cut him. you got to trade him. And basically, the Eagles are still going to owe him $16 million, but the $9 million base salary that he, or $10 million base salary that he has for 2020 would be now on the team that acquires him and trades. The Eagles still are going to have to pay his signing bonus, all that stuff, which is where $16 million comes in because he already had signing bonus from his first, the first extension he signed. They're still going to be on the hook for that, but at least they'd free $9 million, not be on the hook for $26 million. So they're going to have to trade him. But again, this is a guy now that's coming off Liz Frank surgery in December. He hasn't had a 1,000-yard season since he was in Chicago. He's struggled a little bit, and you're now you're basically getting to a point where everyone knows the Eagles are going to let him go. Why would I give up a draft pick for him? And A, I don't want to give up a draft pick for a guy who with Liz Frank surgery, that's a significant recovery timetable. He's not going to participate in off-season condition like he's not going to be at OTA's mini camp there's a chance he's not at training camp and there's actually a pretty good chance that he starts the season on the pup list so now it's like well I'm not going to trade for them so if the Eagles want to trade him to at least save that nine million dollars it's going to have to be something similar to what when the um, Texans traded Brock Osweiler to the Browns where you say this is a crappy contract we know it's a crappy contract here's a draft pick to take it from us and that could be Alshon and a fourth for like the Eagles sixth. Right. Alshon and a fifth. But the counter to that is like is giving up a draft pick like that for the Eagles, like giving up a third, fourth, fifth round pick is and it's not gonna be a third. So fourth, fifth round pick, is that worth it to save nine million? Like we're not talking about saving twenty million, twenty five, you're talking about saving nine million dollars. In the grand scheme of things for a team in the Eagles that's already gonna have probably 40 or 50 million dollars in cash space you don't really by just straight up cutting all sean like it's not nine million really isn't gonna make that big of a difference so at the end of the day i think it's just gonna end up being he's cut and he's let go when we'll see i don't know when it's gonna happen but if he does hit free agency and he's out there the jets will the jets will at the minimum make a phone call now the liz frank surgery will dictate things it'll impact things but you're talking about a guy who had success with adam gase you're talking about a guy that gase likes joe douglas loved him in philadelphia where the Jets need to wide out, even if it's just to kick the tires and see what the guy can't do. Why right. not bring him in? Because the Eagles are going to, there's offset language in his contract. So, so the, that, like the base salary we're talking about, he's getting that money no matter what team he plays for. So, if the Jets give him a, a base of um, uh, the veteran minimum deal, the Eagles just pay the extra. So, it's kind of like when Darrell Reeves, the Jets cut Revis and he signed with the Chiefs, where the Eagles will get some cap relief when he signs elsewhere. The Jets would just, Jets would just give him a, minim, a veteran minimum deal knowing the Eagles are going to pay him more. And all Sean knows, no team's going to give him like $15 million a year. That's just not happening. All right, awesome update on everything that's going on here, obviously, with the Jets and the offseason here at the Combine. It was so much fun to do it in person. Yeah, Connor. dude, different. I know man. what you look like now. Yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. such a big, yeah. big difference when yeah. it comes to podcasting. Yeah. Uh, but thanks for coming on. I know you got a lot to do today uh, around the grounds here in Indianapolis. Yeah, I'm excited, man. It's going to be fun. Lo lovely, lovely Indianapolis, city that never sleeps. <laughs> if you're listening to this podcast, you should be listening to a bunch of our other podcasts here at The Athletic with tons of Combine uh, content coming out. We mentioned that Dane is sitting right here and Prospects to Pros, that podcast is going to be recording multiple 
episodes this week, so check that out. On the college side, Andy Staples will be here. The Audible, they'll be recording as well. So check out all the great content coming out of Indy here and the Combine. And uh, if you want to check out Connor's writing, if you haven't, I don't know why you're waiting. Theathletic.com slash the Can't Wait podcast. Save 40% off a one-year subscription to The Athletic. You can follow Connor on Twitter at Connor underscore J underscore Hughes. I'm at Tim M. McMaster. Thanks to Marissa for producing and Kent Garrison for producing here on site as well. We'll talk to you next time on the Can't Wait podcast.